We've all heard some great lawyer jokes. Trust us, we've heard them, all of them. But without sounding too adversarial, lawyers are humans too. In fact, that's the main theme of this podcast. Welcome to The Human Lawyer, the time and place where we have conversations with lawyers focusing on the intersection of the existential and the practical. Today, we meet Sarah Ellis, an attorney from Nashville, Tennessee, who has parlayed her experience as a commercial litigator to a role serving other lawyers as an executive director of the Lawyer Depression Project. To do this work, Sarah has supplemented her legal education with a master's of science and social work from the University of Tennessee. Founded in New York, the Lawyer's Depression Project is a nonprofit providing free and confidential online peer support group for legal professionals. Weekly meetings, group chats, and discussion forums are hosted in support of and for the benefit of participating lawyers. Sarah's work focuses on those lawyers in private practice, as studies have shown attorneys experience higher usage rates of alcohol and substance abuse, as well as anxiety, burnout, and isolation or loneliness in their work. So today, we're going to explore how and why this work has meaning to Sarah, what life events perhaps prepared her for serving her colleagues in this way, and also what impact does she believe positive stimuli might have on practicing lawyers in search of an escape. These are the human things that show up in Sarah's work, but we're happy to follow her lead in today's conversation. Welcome to the Human Lawyer Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So, our pleasure. How did you find this work, the Lawyer's Question Project? Um, well, I wanted I want to say one thing is um, I'm on their executive committee and board of directors. I'm not their executive director. Our president is the amazing Julia Clayton. Um, but it's something that I became familiar with um, as I started considering my switch from litigation, the world of litigation um, to the world of being a therapist um, and you know formed a relationship with them and then was asked to join their board and executive committee. So that thank you for the correction. Um, we'll we'll update your written bio so that it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't publish in a way that's misleading. Uh, so then the, then the question still stands: like, how did you find how did you find kind of a board service role, or how did they um, find you? Um, that began, um, if I recall correctly, with me originally reaching out to Julia Clayton, um, who's our, our now co she's co-founder and now president. Um, and, you know, saying that I had interest in, you know, serving them in any way um, and I'd help them with a few small projects. And then over the summer, uh, she reached out and asked if I would be interested in taking on an official role on their board of directors and on as also an officer on their executive committee. Um, and since then, um, you know, I joined officially in September. Um, and have been working with them to expand their outreach and getting the word out about Lawyers Depression Project and all that they do and all that they, they serve through peer support. Amazing. So then when, when was the, what was the catalyst for you uh, pursuing the master's in social work? Because uh, I, and researching you for this episode, I saw you got your law degree from Tennessee. And now you're you're getting or have received a master's uh, in social work from the University of Tennessee. So I'm curious what led to that transition. Yes. So it's something that I've been interested in for a very long time. You know, I've always been interested in psychology, um, but 
just through life, I found myself going a different route and wound up doing law and practicing intellectual property law and entertainment law, which I absolutely loved. And it's still a topic that, that fascinates me. And I loved my time doing that, but I didn't really love the practice of law in general. And I didn't really feel like it was a good fit for me. Um, despite loving the topics that I was dealing with. Um, and then the pandemic actually provided an opportunity of a switch um, and, you know, decided to go back to school. Um, kind of just a coincidence that I wound up back at the University of Tennessee because at the time I was living in Nashville and we had quite a few, there's quite a few universities there, but University of Tennessee and social kind of ended up lining up with what my goals were, which is primarily to be a private practice therapist, um, but also has the added benefit of a, what we call a macro practice, which would be things like the Lawyer Depression Project and working on a bigger level of um, advocacy and, and um, supporting the greater community in mental health. So, pardon my ignorance, what is a macro practice? So in it's a it's kind of a term that we mainly use in social work, but you know micro would be a one on one individual, and macro would be a community level, and then the mezzo in the middle would be kind of a combination of the two. So the micro would be, you know, talking to people one on one like I'm talking to you, and then macro would be just a larger scope of things, either through advocacy or policy or community change, community, community leaders, th things of that nature. What are the, some of the policy things that are discussed, I guess, in whatever stage you're, you're comfortable sharing with like the Lawyers Oppression Project? And, and if, if they're, to the extent that that's a macro-focused initiative, like what, are, there, are there policy things that, um, that that organization focuses on, or is it more on the micro kind of peer-to-peer -peer model? Their focus is peer support. Um, so that that one-on-one, -on -one, but on a group nature. Um, but part of, at least in my own um, view, you know, it's important to get the word out there on a bigger level about mental health and let attorneys and people in general know just how prevalent um, issues like depression and anxiety are, um, and that it's okay to have these things because we're all human beings and we all struggle. And it is much more common than one, you know, you might think and that you're not alone. And I see as I see the educating the public a little bit about how prevalent these things are and how much getting help can help. Um, as as making a difference because I know if I had those messages when I was a young law student that it would have been you know helpful for me and probably helpful for a lot of my peers to not feel so alone in those situations. Mm -hmm. Agree. So behind you in this episode, in your I, maybe it's your home office, maybe it's your real office. It's there's this quote or a, a phrase that says illegitimize. What's the what's the non? What is that? Okay, so. I can't it, read it. So it means, 
Uh, it means don't let the bastards grind you down. And I actually <laughs> took it with me from my very first law firm. <laughs> so um, I thought it was kind of a good message between transferring from one world to the other and a good message for us to take in general. So it hangs, this is my real, well, my home office, which is my real office right now. Um, so it kind of hangs up there as a, as a reminder. Is it Latin? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And actually has a, has a typo in it. I think the last word is misspelled for some reason, but somehow that just makes it more appealing to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. That's even more on brand. Like if there's, if there's someone that points out uh, a typo, perhaps they're the bastard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, and before we went on air, you had mentioned uh, moving to Fort Lauderdale. And when I was uh, researching you, I, I kind of assumed that you were still in Nashville. So what's what's the transition like to Fort Lauderdale been like? Uh, it's been interesting. So yeah, we I, we relocated over the summer um, and I'm still in the University of Tennessee program. They have an online program um, that I fortunately was able to transfer into just to finish up my studies. Um, and but it's warm, <laughs> very warm down here. It's it's odd growing up, growing up in Virginia and living in in Tennessee for many many years to be here and it be you know eighty degrees at Christmas is definitely uh, going to be an interesting experience. Not having the leaves change as much and definitely no chance of snow or white Christmas down here. Um, it's it's an adjustment, but you know it's also tropical all the time and and lovely, and it's it's been a nice change. Well, that's great. What do you think, or what in your experience have been some of the key differences in practicing law and um, you know, doing social work, serving others as a as a counselor? And um, uh, yeah, because on the one hand, if it's, seem like helping professions, but on the other hand, there's probably some really material differences. Curious yeah, those. so I can really only speak from my experience, which was, you know, working at a firm, doing kind of high-end IP and entertainment litigation, and then, you know, coming into um, a, you know, very therapeutic um, mental health setting. Um, a big difference has been um, the openness of the community, um, the you know, accepting people as, you know, flawed human beings rather than, you know, objective perfection at all times, um, being willingness to accept others' mistakes as a part of learning and growing. Um, and, you know, social work also has a huge focus on, on social justice and recognizing and supporting and learning from underrepresented communities. Um, so it's, you know, a very different environment to come from a very kind of corporate style, rigid, um, perfection at all times world. Uh, of of deadlines and um, you know having kind of you know everything you do kind of public facing um, to come to a world where everything's about learning and exploration and growth and you know accepting people as, as human beings 
Um, and it's just, it's been a little bit of a culture shock to me, to be honest, and <laughs> one that I'm still getting used to a little bit, but it's a very warm um, and accepting environment. Um, and it's been, it, it's uh, kind of like putting on a nice comfy sweater <laughs> comparatively, oh. you know, going from a business suit to like a nice comfy sweater is, is a kind of a, a way I can explain it. Yeah. Um, what? What are some examples of uh, ways, I guess you, you'd sort of characterize it as being an adjustment for you? Like, it, what are some of the things that perhaps were ingrained as you in you as a lawyer in practice, where now you're in a, a different community that's more open, um, perhaps more accepting, more fluid? And so, uh, are there things that you've observed about yourself where you're like, huh, that's maybe that's the lawyer in me or the practicing lawyer in me uh, showing up, whereas I'm in a different different place? Uh, yeah, that it's still definitely something that I work on quite regularly because I've only really been in this world now for you know just under two years, um, and you know I spent you know, 10 years practicing and then law school and then preparing for law school. So law was a big part of my life for a very long time. But again, like the perfection, I think is, at least in my experience and in my background, um, perfection at all times was the minimum. Um, and he, in, in social work, and I would say probably in any area of someone coming from a psychological or therapeutic practice um, because there's many routes to get you know to be a therapist um, is kind of accepting people as who they are and looking at life as a journey and you know just kind of being in school to learn and being you know starting out your career to learn uh, rather than to immediately know everything and do everything exactly as you should do it um and so that definitely is where the lawyer in me comes out is i still <laughs> definitely have that well if it's not perfect then why are you even bothering doing it <laughs> um and so i have a feeling that will probably stay with me to some degree for a very very long time maybe never completely go away but it's not something that i think all of my peers share uh, because they haven't really had that way of thinking and dreamed in them yeah i can see that what about uh what about outside of work what are some of the things that you really enjoy doing um well one big difference is i actually have an outside of work now <laughs> <laughs> and that's something that i didn't have for a very very long time um you know i, I very much had the lawyer life where all three of my meals were eaten at my desk um for many many years and so to be able to have nights and weekends actually be nights and weekends uh is kind of still a little crazy to me um i never really feel ever overwhelmed because there's always a many many more hours in the day that i can do things um even if i've set those signs aside for myself whereas before there's never extra hours in the day for anything um, but I spend a lot of time with my husband and my two dogs, my golden retrievers, that my rescue dogs that I adore. Um, they are uh, they are our fur kids, 
And so we spend a lot of time with them. We're actually taking them on a vacation with us um, after the holidays uh, for our first time of taking them with us anywhere. So that should be a very interesting experience. Um, I love trying anything new that I can get my hands on, whether it's, you know, bungee jumping or skydiving or fire walk or glass walk, or even just something small, like, you know, baking a pie, you know, I love trying new experiences to kind of get out of my comfort zone and then travel anywhere I can go, even if it's, you know, a local trip, just to see things I haven't seen before. Okay, so what's a fire walk going to get right at and a uh, glass walk? So Firewalk, um, I'm sure you've seen it before, and it was actually featured on an episode of, of The Office where they have the hot coals that you walk over. Yeah. Um, and then a glass walk is similar um, where you walk over broken glass. It's usually like wine bottles because they're thicker and they're not like stepping on a glass in your kitchen. They're, it's more, <laughs> they're more rounded and thicker, but it's the same sort of concept of um, like really trusting yourself with every step. and. Uh, it's quite an interesting experience. It, yeah, it's a, and you've done it? Yeah, absolutely. It, I guess, did you burn your feet or cut your feet? Like what? what? I did not cut my feet on the glass walk. Um, I did get a tiny little burn on the fire walk, but like the type that was gone by the following morning. Just, you know, like when you might touch your finger on a hot plate or something like that. So how do you do it? Like, is the... Is the are all of the coals lit? Like I, I am demonstrably ignorant on this. Yeah, um, they. So where when I did it, it started with a giant bonfire. Like it was probably wood, you know, stacked like this, um, several feet long, several feet high, and then it burned for a few hours until it came down to just coals, and then it was, you know, constantly raked to keep it warm keep oxygen on it keep it flat um and then you um you know it's usually just a couple feet long at least when i did it mm. um, but that, that's that's how it kind of comes about i'm not sure how, to, how everyone does it but that's that was my experience that's crazy does your husband do it too uh he i actually wasn't with him when i did that one um but he's up for anything he probably would have yeah nice and then what are you, where are you going with your uh, golden retrievers? We're going to Savannah for a few days to take in some of the historic sites. Love it. What about cli like client development uh, with, like if, if you compare it to, from your lawyer experience, like what's, like, how do people know about you? Like how do you, like, how do you start? That's a great question. So I right now I'm working at a treatment center. Um, and so like, I don't have that issue quite yet. I won't have that until after graduation when I'm, well, I'm not quite sure where I'll be after graduation quite yet. We'll find, we'll find that out in a few months, but um, I would probably say it'd be similar of, you know, putting yourself out there, making sure there's content where people can feel like they can get to know you, that they know that, you know, what you're working with. And then there's also, you know, the same way with practicing law, having a niche area, you know, some people may focus their practice on eating disorders or trauma or certain populations. Um, I personally really want to work with um, professionals 
um, lawyers, doctors, you know, executives who are in careers where getting help might not be prioritized or even possibly stigmatized and being a voice to let them know that they're not alone. And also just be able to say, hey, I've, I've, I've been there. I've been in that world. I know what it's like. Um, you know, just because I think we all feel better if someone knows like where we're coming from. I think it helps us feel heard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the professional space, that's, uh, that's maybe I'll ask you like a forward basic question in the sense that speaking very generally, you know, like lawyers tend to be, um, type A, uh, they, they tend to be uh, really uh, like maybe too too quick to get to a solution, a solution focused conversation. So like what, so as I, as I think about this, I'm thinking like, all right, so a lawyer might come to see you uh, in a tough spot and then they might be like, all right, well, how's this going to help me? Like, what, what's the next step? Like, you know, give me ABC. And so like, hypothetically, like how, how do you, uh, understanding that like everyone's situation is uniquely different. Like how, what are, what are some tips to help lawyers kind of get themselves out of that mindset? Like if, if they're coming to have a conversation with you. Oh, okay. That's, that's a, that's a great question. Well, first of all, if someone comes to therapy, and any person comes to therapy and is like, I want to get better. One session, let's go. That's not going to happen. I don't have a magic wand. I wish I did. That would be amazing. Um, but, you know, I think a way is of getting out of it is just kind of learning to accept how things are and where you are. And I think that first step is realizing that you cannot control everything, which is something that I, as a type A attorney, struggle with myself um, and learning just to kind of radically accept everything around you for what it is and learning to only control the things that you can. And, you know, depending upon what someone's issue is, whether it's anxiety or depression, you know, that can take work depending upon what they're experiencing, you know, what the origins of what they're experiencing are. Um, and you kind of have to uniquely tailor it to each person to figure out like how you can best help them. But I think really the first step is one, accepting where you are and two, giving yourself space and permission to feel what you're feeling and experience what you're experiencing. Mm. Yeah. Uh... That's really good advice. The acceptance, I think that uh, that does that probably informs everything. Like until until mm -hmm. until maybe you get there, you, you can't go somewhere else. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I'm certainly not a, an expert, but that's sort of what I'm hearing from you. Um, Absolutely, that's that's a big part of it. So we're recording this episode at the end of 2022. And so what are your hopes and dreams for 2023? Um, great question. Um, well, I'll be graduating in May of 2023. 
Um, and then, so I think my hopes and dreams are to find a place that I feel really comfortable practicing. Um, so the process with um, getting licensed as a therapist is a little different than with law. You know, at law school, you take the bar right after you graduate and then boom, you're a lawyer once you pass. Um, with my field, you go to school for, you know, generally through full time two years and then you have to practice for approximately two years before you can be licensed depending upon the state anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 hours of actual clinical time not like hours in the office but you know one-on-one -on -one time um, so my goals would be to find a place that are going to be a good fit for me and begin my journey towards being actually licensed um, and then um, you know, enjoying having only one thing or two things to focus on um, and beginning to really get in there and helping people. Amazing. Wow. Here's a, a wonderful 2023. Uh, thank you for sharing a, a little bit of your story, sort of the transition from lawyer to mental health professional and expert, a little bit about Lawyer Depression Project. Uh, and uh, yeah, some of your interests outside of uh, outside of work, the, the the glass walking and fire walking. I would say I'm today years old when I learned that those were a thing. So uh, thanks for that too. We need to recognize that this is possible because of the hard work and support of the well-run media team. They make this easy. And speaking of easy, big thanks to Huga Coworking for access to their studio. And of course, the lawyers who agree to take time out of their busy, busy schedules to be here, even though we're sure they have better things to do. So thanks for saying yes.